You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So we're in the third week of a series that I titled, uh, We're Better Together, and uh, we've been building kind of from foundational text on how uh, that's a reality. We are better together, and and last week, kind of a little bit of review, I talked about how God never intended for the church to be a cookie-cutter organization, right? We're all unique. And every person is different. We come from different cultures. We come with different personalities. We come with different moldings, uh, maybe some different political affiliations, maybe uh, different uh, interests and likes. Uh, but even through that, our differences and abilities, they make us better. They make us better together because everyone brings something that's different to the table, something that's unique. And when we all bring those uniqueness and giftings and we put them all together, it's a wonderful thing. And, and we have to really uh, uh, guard ourselves to not allow our differences to become a, a wedge. We need to allow ourselves and guard ourselves to embrace our differences with the love of Christ so that we can walk in something that I'm going to talk about today. You see, we're better together when we walk in unity. We're better together when, when we are one. You know, when, when a husband and a wife come together, when they're fiancés and, and, and they're, they're getting ready to go into holy matrimony, the Bible says that uh, for this cause, a man will leave his father and mother and he will cleave to his wife, and the two will become one. So marriage is harmonious whenever there are two individuals that lay their uniqueness aside or actually bring their uniqueness with them and complement each other and become a, a wonderful marriage. Now, in that, there's a family unit, and the family is special because every child brings a uniqueness, but the family unit is one. And then the church is in that same manner, very special. We want for, for the church to also have the oneness that, uh, that, that, that really solidifies that we are a cohesive unit and that we will not allow things to come in and drive a wedge in our church or in the church in general. We should never be people that drive a wedge in churches. In fact, it was Jesus who said that uh, a house that is divided against itself is a house that will not stand. And when he's talking about this, the context is that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, were saying, all your miracles you're doing, you're doing them in the name of the devil. You're doing it through the power of the devil. And Jesus said to them, the devil can't be against the devil because then it'll divide itself. He'll divide the kingdom. So he's saying, the the things that I'm doing are through the power of God. And it's through this power that you need to, to grab a hold of, of, of what God can do for you in your life, which these religious leaders were blinded. And my prayer, my prayer is that we will not be blinded. 
to the things of Christ, to the glorious example that he's given us. And, and so I want to pray today. I mean, I want to pray first, but I want to go to the Bible, to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7 as, as we go into this third part of, of this series. And uh, Ray, can you just lower me just a little bit, brother, please, if you don't mind? Um, let me pray. Father, thank you for uh, your blessings. Thank you, Father, for your, your, your guidance in everything that we do. And as we, as we open up your word, we pray that you will uh, open up our hearts and our minds. In fact, we choose to do that, to open up our, our hearts and our minds to all that you have for us today. And my prayer is that as we, as we read your word, as I, as I speak and preach this message, Lord, that, that it will move in a way inside of our hearts that we will bring glory to Christ. And that we will also be uh, uh, open and, uh, and strive and move toward the goal that we become one in you. And that, that way the church will thrive and it will shine bright. So we pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So we're going to go to chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And Paul here is talking to the church in, in Ephesus. And, and, and he says this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord... And in my notes, I underlined serving the Lord because we're talking about how important it is for us to come together with our gifts, right, and serve. Uh, and I beg you, he says, to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves, say it with me, united. United in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, the body being the church, okay? And one Spirit, the Spirit being the Holy Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. And there is one Lord, the Lord being Jesus, and one faith and one baptism and one God and Father of all. You see how he outlines the Trinity right there? He says there's one Spirit. There's one Lord and one Father of them all, of, of, of all, and who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Everyone, every person in here has a special gift that God has given you so that you can glorify Jesus. So that you can glorify the kingdom. So, so there's three points that I put together that I think will kind of uh, um, uh, just really concrete uh, this scripture. And the first point is that we're better together when we have one goal. And that one goal that we have is to bring glory to the name of Jesus. That goal is so that his name will be lifted up so that, so that God will be glorified in our midst. I, got a, I received a letter and a, a beautiful card that was addressed to our church this, this past week, and, and uh, I wanted to share it with the congregation because it really makes this real, that we should have one goal. And the, the letter went like this. It said, pastors, staff, and leadership. I kind of uh, uh, put it in, in general right there. I just wanted to take a moment and express my gratitude for each and every one of you serving the Lord at LWC. Your service is making a difference in lives. Thank you for all the prayers. 
even before any of you knew me, when all I could do was reach out through a prayer request on the connection card, you prayed for me and my family. All you had was a name and a sentence or two, but you prayed anyway. Changes started happening that couldn't have happened without prayer. Thank you for believing for me when I couldn't. All the lessons God has spoken to me in a whole new way since attending LWC. The sermons are refreshing and instrumental in the renewing of my mind and misguided belief system. Thank you for bringing the scriptures to life in a current and applicable way. Acceptance. From the first visit, I have felt welcomed. Janet and Nancy and Teresa and Wendy were and are so friendly and sweet. Their genuine concern and efforts to get to know me were heartwarming. I now feel like I found, I finally found the family I was designed to be a part of. Thank you for believing in me when I didn't. Fellowship. I didn't realize how lonely I had been until I met you all. After my parents died, I lost my spiritual support system. Thank you for filling that empty space inside of me. Love in Christ. Anonymous. You know, the one goal that every church needs to have is to allow Jesus to shine bright through his church. And this means that every person, it doesn't matter how different we are, we strive to walk and to serve in unity. We have to protect that. We have to protect that, that, that the devil himself wants to come and he wants to drive a wedge in our, in our church, in our relationships. And when he does that, we will never be able to do the things that God has called us to do. Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he prayed a very special prayer. And in that prayer, he was praying to the Father. And he was talking about him and the Father are one. And how uh, for, for, for the church to have the glory that he had shared with the Father. But he said something that I want to share with you. In John 17, 21, he says, I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Notice Jesus doesn't say that he is the Father. He says, Father, just like, just like I am in you and you are in me, may they, the church, may they be in us and may they represent us in this world and may they represent us in unity. Can I tell you something? The world needs to see people that care about each other, that love each other, that are for each other because they will not find that in the world. They'll find that in the church. They're God's attributes. That, the Bible tells us this, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. You see, beloved, the only way that we're going to walk in this, in this unity, the only way that we will walk in this oneness is not through our own power. The only way we do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a prince of, is, is a spirit of peace, and he, and he produces peace in us that surpasses all understanding so that we can walk and we can love each other and we can grow with each other and we can represent a one united front, not only with Living Word Chapel, with every church that names the name of Christ. Amen. And the world around us will see just how amazing and how different that we are because of that. Have you noticed that uh, this is very important to our families? Ha have you noticed that, that, that the enemy, the world, and the flesh will always work in our families to divide us? 
Had you noticed that uh, it works in our communities? Works in our schools. The only hope for this world is the church. So don't you think that the devil will work his hardest to come in and try to divide the church? We have to, on the front side, know that's going to try to, 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 to happen or to occur, and we need to guard ourselves through the power of the living God. We need to take all our differences and put them together, and in that, as we bring these differences together, we complement each other, and we become one. I think that's very, very, very important. There's nothing worse than a church that is filled with disunity and disagreements. There's nothing worse than that. Now, you're thinking to yourself, um, well, pastor, how do I, how do, I do that? What, what, what do I do? How do I apply this? The first thing that you do is it will always take humility. You've got to humble yourself. For you to walk in, in oneness and in, in, in unity, you have got to humble yourself. It takes humility. I love the way that the Message Bible puts it. It says, I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You see, the way that you prevent the enemy from driving a wedge of disunity is by walking in humility. That means, this means that you acknowledge the fact that we don't know everything. And even the things that we don't know, that we do know, we cannot let it get to our heads. Because when you start letting it get to your head, you will become arrogant, and arrogant people are always the source of division. We always should strive to make people feel special around us. The, sor the, 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 the way that you will see someone walking in the Spirit and in the things of God is you will always strive to make people around you feel special. The second thing that, that I really believe that will help us to, to walk in this unity and oneness is you need to quit throwing tantrums. The Bible says a man of quick temper will act acts foolishly. A man or woman that has a quick temper, ah, you get mad right away. It's foolish. Tantrums are a way to manipulate your own selfish desires. When a, when a child throws a tantrum, when they throw, ah, I want the candy. If you feed that, you're feeding self. You're feeding something that's going to be harmful for them. It's the same thing. It's, this goes right into our, 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 our marriages, goes right into our, 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 our communities, it goes, it goes right into the church, and if you throw tantrums, you need to stop. It's a work of the flesh. The Bible also says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper will exalt folly. He who has a quick temper will magnify foolishness. Fits of anger are a ploy of the enemy, and it's a work of the flesh. We must guard against this in order to embrace the unity of God. You will never have unity by throwing tantrums. 
So we were driving just this week. We're driving, my wife and I, and we're having our just wonderful discussion. And she said, babe, you know, I love you. Thank you, babe. But I don't always like you. <laughs> it's good to know that, sweetie. I was very careful what I said. You see, the third thing that we have to do is we have to be quick to mend fences. It takes humility to admit that you're wrong. But here's what the Bible says. It says about God, he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We need to understand that we're all capable of offending people. Every single one of us, say it, say it, we are all capable of offending someone. Right? But there's got to be three, three phrases that you're very committed to saying. The first thing that we should be committed to saying is, I was wrong. It, can you say that to someone? I was, I, I was wrong. The other thing that we should be very easy to say is that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Right? And then the third thing that we should say is, please forgive me. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And guess what happens? People open up their hearts. They open up their lives. But when, when you are so arrogant that you say, you know what, I'm right all the time. It's their fault. You know, when couples come and talk to me and, uh, and, and want restoration in their marriage, and they come and they say, you know what, she does this and she does that and she and she and she and he does this and he does that. And we ain't going anywhere. We ain't, I want to hear what you're doing. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. I, I, I got a call just this week, just yesterday, from one of my dearest friends in the whole wide world. And, and he's got a, a Bible study going on right now where he's got corporate people, vice presidents. And he says, I've got people that are vice presidents. These are some, some multimillionaires. I've got people that are making $8 an hour. I've got people from all walks of life coming together, and we're just growing in the things of God. And he said, the, the, the most important thing that, 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 that I see is that when you come into that place, you've got to let your head unswell. You gotta humble yourself and you gotta let God be big in your life. Amen? The way that you mend fences, the way that you mend fences, beloved, is you've got to get over yourself. Process that. Self is your own worst enemy. Jesus was God in the flesh. But he humbled himself and became like you. He became like me. He walked on this earth. He did everything that we did. He had to go to the bathroom. He probably got stomach cramps at one time. He probably went through, you know, got, had, he had every temptation that we faced. He humbled himself and became like us. And in his time of distress, when people came against him, when people who hated him were at him, Jesus on the cross said, Father... Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Think about that. We have got to get over ourselves. Point number two, you can never be better together if you have your own agenda. God never intended for people in the church to have their own personal agenda. In fact, God calls each of us to embrace His agenda. When we come into the church, it's not about what we're going to do for the church. It's not about what we're going to do for God. It's, Lord, I'm going to submit myself and my gifting to your will and to your work. 
The Trinity helps us to understand this. The Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus, when, when he came to this earth, he said this, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. In another place, he confirms this fact. He says, my food, this is, this is at, uh, John chapter 4. He's, he's meeting with a woman at the well. Uh, she, this woman had been married five times. She was living with a dude, and she, not married, and, and his, his disciples went to go buy food. They come back with, with I don't know if they came back with In-N-Out, or they came back with Lagasit, I don't know. Getting close to lunch. <laughs> but they come back, and they say, we got food, and then he said this to them. He said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his word. I don't have a personal agenda. In fact, he said, my nourishment, my nourishment is to do the will of the Father. What sustains me is to do the will of the Father. Can I tell you, we don't need another taco. We don't need another enchilada. I want one. <laughs> but what we need is to submit ourselves to God. What we need to do is to let his agenda be our agenda. The father said this to, about the son. The father said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Notice that. You know, the father didn't, didn't give his agenda. You know, I'm the father, I'm the father, and, and worship. He said, this is my son. I am well pleased with him. And this is a, at the moment of transfiguration when, when, when Elijah and Moses showed up to the, to the apostles and Jesus was glory. He was the illumination of glory. And the father said, this is my son. I am very well pleased with him. Now listen to him. And he elevated him. There's no personal agenda. And then about the Holy Spirit, Jesus said this about the Spirit. He says... But when he, now notice this, I want you to grab a hold of this, beloved. Let's be scholars, let's be Bereans. If you're on a podcast, listen to this. Jesus never called the Holy Spirit an it, a force. That's cultic teaching, That's, that, that builds cults. When he dealt with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is a person, so he said, when he... When he, the, whole, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative. Or we can say, he does not have his own agenda. But whatever he, heals, he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit is to every, given to every believer so that he can glorify Jesus in our lives and through our lives. I had someone in our Berean class ask the other day, he said, Pastor, how do we know when it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us and not our conscience? I said, that's very easy. Your conscience will tell you right and wrong. The Holy Spirit will guide you out of wrong and error, but the Holy Spirit will always glorify Christ. He'll always magnify the name of Jesus. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says this, I want you to know that no one that was speaking by the Spirit of God will ever curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 
That first day that you named Christ as your Savior, that first day that you opened up your hearts, in fact, today, someone will open up their hearts to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is working on you. He's opening, cultivating your heart, working in your heart so that you can say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord. He is the Spirit of truth. The Godhead consists of three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're working together to fulfill the plan that God has set for mankind. The Father set up the plan before the foundation of the world that he would glorify his Son. The Son executed the plan by coming to the earth and dying for our sins. And the Holy Spirit was given and he birthed the church and he's here in every believer so that we can fulfill the work of God. That's why the Bible says this. It says this. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. First he gave the apostles, and then he gave prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Notice that it doesn't say that the pastors and the evangelists are supposed to do all the work. It says a pastor is to equip the church so that the church will cohesively work together with your different gifting and do the work of God for his glory. doesn't stop right there. It says, this will continue until we all come to such, say with me, unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. God is working in every person, and his goal is for us to become just like Jesus, and we can become one with him, one with the Father, one with the Holy Spirit, and we can love each other, and the world will see a different place. How do we apply this, Pastor? What do I do? Number one, you rebuke the temptation of a personal agenda. Hear me. Your flesh wants for you, your ego to be stroked. Your flesh wants your ego to be stroked. The devil, because he was given authority, he's, he's the small g, the small god of this world. God is the, the, the big god, the big g-o-d, he's the god of everything. But the devil, if you've noticed, the principalities and powers working in this world are doing some things that are very anti-god. He will work on you so that you will have a personal agenda. Anything that will be contrary to God. So you have to, you have to really protect yourself. The Bible says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. The question should not be, is this good for me? The question should be, is this good for the body of Christ? The more eyes we have in our speech, the more the agenda reflects self. If someone says, I, 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 it tells you, you know what? If, if that's me, I need to be real careful. Our, our speech should be more, have more of us and more of the agenda to reflect the body of Christ. We do this together. Amen? It's, it's all of us working together. It's not one person. It's everybody working together to complement each other, to bring glory to the name of Christ. 
Point number three, we are better together when we are devoted to embrace a Christ-centered vision. And this vision will always be bigger than us. The work of the church is always bigger than what a single person can complete. That's why a pastor can't do the work of the church by himself. That's why the elders can't do it by themselves. That's why the deacons, it's all of us working together. The vision that God has is a lot bigger than what we can complete in our own individual effort. Your body, your body, your spirit is important to the body of Christ. Every one of us are an important piece to the work that God has for the church. Think about this. Without you, look at me real quick, everybody, look at me. Without you, we will never accomplish the things of God like we can with you. And I'm talking about we join forces with every church that names the name of Christ. We all work together to bring glory to his name. Whether you go to a Sarco, whether you go to, to uh, uh, Freeport, whether you go to the school, whether you work uh, uh, you know, cross-country, internationally, whatever you're doing, we do this together and we bring glory to Christ together. But we have to embrace a vision that God has set out for his people. And the only way that we're going to fulfill this and what we're going to fulfill, what are we going to fulfill, Pastor? We're going to reach our neighbors, our friends, and our families that don't know Christ. And the goal is for them to mature in their faith. Amen? Every person that's sitting here, you know what God's goal is? Is for you to mature and become more like Christ. This is why, that's why the Bible says this. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. And we will grow in every way more and more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. How important is truth? It's everything. This is so important to us right now. In, in, in February of 2015, this is so important for us to grab a hold of because I'm going to tell you something that may freak you out. And this is what's going to freak you out. In the church, the methods have always changed, but the truth has never changed. We don't look like the first century church. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, well, you guys aren't wearing tunics. You're not wearing robes. In, in, in the first century church, they didn't plug into an amplifier to do praise and worship. Did they have music? Of course they did. They worshiped God. They, they praised God, but it looked different than it does now. The methods have changed, but the truth of the living God never changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus came to save our souls by dying on the cross and to restore our lives by being resurrected from the grave on the third day. And because of that, you can walk in power. But beloved, people get stuck on the methods. We get stuck on the methodology. But they're doing church different in China even right now. 
They're doing church different in, in Latin America right now. They're doing church different in different places right now. But they're preaching the truth of Jesus. And for us to move forward, you have to understand that we're better together when we're united and we embrace a vision and we understand that the vision that Christ has for the church is bigger than us. And you cannot get caught up on menial things, things that really don't matter. There's churches right now that they, they do praise and worship and they have EDM music going on. They do a little bit of EDM, and, and my son, he, 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 you know, one day we're driving, Dad, you want to listen to this? And I said, well, yeah, sure. I, I try to embrace my, my kids wherever they're at. Always have. I don't want to alienate them. And so he put this music, and it was boom, 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 boom. <laughs> EDM. And so, so churches are incorporating this, and some, some of us, we might go into a church and go, what are they doing? This is not church. The method may be different, but they're glorifying Christ, and the truth never changes. The way you gauge a church that's walking in the attributes of God is not by their method, but by their message. Not by a tickle-in-your-ear message, but a message that says that Christ is the King of glory and that he changes lives and there's transformation taking place. Amen? Amen? It's not by the color of your skin. It's not by what you're wearing. It's by the truth that Jesus is the Savior of mankind. The Bible says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and they're growing and they're full of love. The other thing, beloved, and we need to grab a hold of this and continue to live in this because this is the church that we are. I believe this. this is when I came into this church, there was so much love. We continue to be a church of, filled with love. We have to continually grow in the love of Christ. That's what separates us from the world. Pastor, why, why, where are we going with this? What, why, what, what's going on? As the church grows living word chapel, and he is, let me just say that. He has, he is, and he will. We've got to be ready. And when those tweaks come, the methods are tweaked a little bit, understand that the truth of God will never change. For example, right now we're setting up for children's ministry. There will be a check-in, check-out system where the children will be checked in by their parents and they'll be checked out by their parents. They will go at the beginning of service. That's different. We've never had that before. It's a different in the method. The kids will, will we, we believe that's going to safeguard the kids from them maybe running out and not having their parents. Parents are going to have to go pick them up and then you're going to have to take care of them so they don't run into the street. I think that's pretty good, right? So it's a different method. So, and as, as we go and we're making room, we're going to have to switch, we're going to tweak the times of our service so that the teachers don't have them for an hour and a half. We're going to have to shorten our services a little bit, but, but that's going to help us to add a third service because first and second service are full. And as we add a third service on a Sunday morning, as everyone works together, more people will be able to come. And guess what? If we have to add another service, then we will. 
And the Lord has really placed on my heart that we're going to have a multi-site. We're going to have a, another location, and, and God's going to raise up people. That's just the things that God does. But you have to embrace the vision. Embrace the vision, and it's always bigger than us. How do we apply this, Pastor? Number one, embrace the reality that you are a necessary part of the work of Christ. That's a reality. You're necessary to the work of Christ. The Bible says God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. So you need to know that you are vital to the church and to the work that's going on at LWC. And if you're visiting from another church, your gifting is vital to the work of that church. And if you're listening on the podcast, and if you're in in another city, you need to get plugged into a Bible-believing church, and you need to let God use you there in that. Number two, embrace the vision. Embrace the vision. Remember that God's vision to win your unsaved loved ones and your neighbors is much bigger than us. The vision is centered around us becoming one with God and with each other. Why am I saying this? Because anytime there's change, it rumbles. It rumbles. We're uncomfortable with change. God says, stay one. Pray for each other. Embrace the vision. Embrace it. It's bigger than us. Jesus said this, when I am lifted up, I will draw everyone to myself. When he went up on that cross, he opened up a door for every sinner to come in. You know what this is all about right here? This, the rustic background, the, 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 the pallet walls, notice how rustic they are? That's because we want people to know that it's not what you look like on the outside that counts. There's always room for you in the kingdom of God. Why is this door the way it is? See this door, how it's, it, we left it unfinished. It's an old door. Beautiful. Because it doesn't matter how old you are, you're still special to God. And give me some lights off real quick. Give me, just dim the lights for me, please. And the most important thing is behind the door, that window, the, the window of the cross, there's a light. And that light is Jesus Christ. And if you come to him, you will not walk in darkness any longer. You'll walk in the attributes of the king. So our platform represents our culture. It represents that we love God and that we're all imperfect, but we serve the perfect one. And that he's working in each one of us, and we need to embrace that great big vision that he has. Number three is don't get frustrated with the methods. Let truth be your guide the methods will always change 20 years from now the church will look different than what it is today if jesus tarries but i'll tell you what the truth of god will always be preached in his church whether you're in latin america central america africa or in the united states where jesus is lifted up where he's preached the savior of mankind good things are going to happen the apostle paul put it like this yes i tried to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. The methods, beloved, the methods are just an avenue for us to perk the interest 
of those around us, but the methods will never change people. What changes people is the truth of Jesus Christ. Yeah? I'm done. We're better together. And God wants us to walk in unity. And God wants us to love each other and reveal that. I want to lead us in a prayer. So let's all bow our heads and our hearts. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you for revealing to us just how important your church is to you. And also just how important I am to the church. I realize that you've called me to make a positive difference with the gifting you've given me. I want to use my gift with a grateful heart. I also choose to promote unity and will continually rebuke the temptation of having my own agenda. I submit my will to and my heart to the bigger picture, the beauty of the cross of Christ, which reveals that if Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men and all women to himself. I am devoted to this cause because we are better together. In Jesus' name I pray. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.